with Nancy Richards. Indeed, otherwise of me, Nancy Richards, talking women here on SAFM team today with Hazel McQuizzini and uh, Derek, Derek Fordyce. Sorry, he got his name wrong. Unforgivable. Well, what we've got first up on the show today, news of a, a mini women's workshop happening here in Cape Town in August, which, as you know, is Women's Month, happening August the 7th, in fact, in which speakers will be talking amongst, uh, about discovering their purpose and also how to use failure productively. We'll be talking to two of the speakers, O Magazine editor Samantha Page, and also to Sarah Rice, she's a technology PR and communications specialist. After that, after the news headlines, we'll be talking to the founder of Nobulali. It's a, it's a production company, and what they do is they use uh, drama in a, in a useful and educational way. They have a, pro- a program that they call Shake Experience. We're also going to be hearing a little bit about a production that they've got coming up, which is exclusively for women, and that's designed to uh, be put together around about the 16 days of activism. And then lastly on the show today, well, Domestic Worker of the Year. We're going to be talking to Cecilia Macola. And you have until midnight to nominate someone who you think to be deserving of that title. Cecilia will be explaining to us exactly why she feels it's a title that uh, should be had. In fact, I think she also started Domestic Workers, National Domestic Workers Day. So if you want to give us a call at any stage, you can't make your nomination right now, but if you want to give us a call during the programme, it's 0892 10 2010. Well, what's news is tragic death of one woman's two toddlers after she sprinkled what she thought was sugar onto their porridge that she had borrowed from a neighbour, and it turned out to be poisonous. I think that's a real caution. You know, we all use things that all look a little bit alike, and uh, who knows what the the origins of these things are. And it's uh, one newspaper, I think, in the New Age, has suggested that maybe the the powder that the neighbour had borrowed had lent her had in fact been stolen. But who knows? It doesn't matter. What matters is that toddlers are gone, and hopefully. It's a lesson for all of us who do things without thinking enough, perhaps. At the Durban Film Festival, well, two films banned, as you know. First, A Good Report, and then The Look of Love, causing outrage amongst the filmmakers, especially now that the International Film Festival circuit is so keen to get hold of them, obviously. But child pornography is a serious accusation in a film in anything, any shape or form. So what do you make of the decision to ban a good report in particular? Protection or heavy-handed censorship? What do you think? Let us know. Find us on our Facebook page and tell us it's otherwise on SAFM. Be really interested to hear your response. Otherwise at SAFM. Well, otherwise on SAFM, in fact, is our Facebook page. As it's on the issue of productions telling things rather like they are, there's a new play just released in London and due to be shown at the Edinburgh Festival called Nabaya, which is Hindi for the fearless one. It tells the story of the rape and murder of that 23-year-old Jyoti Singh, who you'll remember was so brutally raped in a, attacked and raped in a bus in which she was travelling with her partner a while back. Well, this play not only tells her story, but also the experiences of other rape survivors in India through the voices of the survivors themselves, who've been either burned or beaten or raped by their fathers, brothers, husbands. One producer says, if you are a woman living in India, you have experienced either sexual violence or sexual violation. Well, I spoke to somebody who had seen that play just uh, yesterday, and they said it was indeed truly, truly shocking, and possibly a play that may well resonate over here. And talking of the Edinburgh Festival, also going to Edinburgh, is uh, the run of Miss Julie, which after a very successful uh, run to rather shocked audiences in London, is going off to, uh, to the Edinburgh Festival. And just quickly, while I'm talking productions, you really do, if you're in Cape Town, really, really do have to see the Rocky Horror Show. It's on at the Few Garden. It's absolutely fabulous. 
Uh, and as well as Vigil, which is also on at the Few God, which I think and I hope that we'll be hearing a little bit more about here on Otherwise very soon. And news of the day, needed to say, is of course that it looks like the great Kate wait is nearly over, as the Duchess of Cambridge is in labour, so we will wait with bated breath to see who is coming uh, along, uh, who's going to be third in line to the crown of, uh, of England. If you're listening to Otherwise, stay with us. Otherwise, on SAFM. Well, otherwise it is where we talk about women and things that are of interest to women, on the subject of which there's a mini women's workshop coming up in August, on August the 7th, in fact, right here in Cape Town. And under discussion will be finding your purpose and celebrating or using your failures productively. Well, for those who aren't able to get to the uh, Quality of Life Women's Leadership course uh, in Johannesburg, it's also a mini breakfast version of that. So it's going to be headed by Debbie Edelstein and emceed by yours truly, in fact. But to give us an idea of what they're going to be sharing, and perhaps a bit of take-home wisdom, we have uh, two of the speakers. We're going to start, we're going to be talking in a minute to uh, Sarah Rice, a technology PR buff. But first we have on the line editor of O Magazine, she's Samantha Page. Hi, Samantha. Hi, Nancy. Nice to talk to you again. Excellent. Nice to have you too, because I know you're a very busy lady. (laughs) So now, are you going to be talking about um, uh, productive failure, or are you going to be talking about finding your purpose in life? Well, I think that, you know, the, the whole idea of the... Uh, failure and, and how much success can come from it. I think it's a bit of a paradox. Um, and I think that success requires a willingness to risk failure. Um, and, you know, I've said, uh, I've, I've uh, kind of um, given the, the title of my keynote uh, the name A Lotus Grows in the Mud. And it's, it was something that uh, I picked up from uh, an autobiography that I read uh, of Goldie Horns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the title of the autobiography is A Lotus Only Grows in the Mud. And it really speaks to the whole idea of um, that you cannot come out on the other side with success if you haven't trudged through the, the muddy waters, as it were. Mm-hmm. And how much, uh, I think, you know, failure gets a, a very negative rack, a rap that uh, women in particular shouldn't fail, and uh, there's, there's all kinds of negativity that goes around it. But like we always say in, in Oprah Magazine as well, that, you know, it's those challenges that are the lessons that life are teaching you, and you can come out stronger on the other end of it. So really that's, that's what it's all going to center around. Yes, your message at your magazine is nothing if not inspirational and, you know, sort of, you can, you can do it above all. But it's, it's not just failure. I mean, the lotus growing in the mud. Yes. The mud isn't necessarily just failure. The mud may just be tough times. It may be something that's in your own head. Absolutely. So it's, uh, I think, you know, when, when I, I spent some time living in, in Bangkok and I was always quite captivated by, um, just by the lotus flower and how beautiful it is and how, it, it can only grow in muddy water and how the leaves unfold kind of one at a time. And I see that as a, as a, a strong analogy for our lives and, and particularly as South Africans, you know, there, there are so, we've been through such tough times as a country. And when you look at all the success stories that have come from that, um, it is so encouraging that you can trudge through the, the muddy waters and you can unfold um, your talents and your skills and all of the things that you were meant to be and live your true purpose if you you don't see the muddy waters as something dirty and um, something that nothing good will ever come from it. 
I think that um, to see all of the stages of our lives, whether we, you know, go through tough times or good times, as a, a learning a learning platform, and that you know, failure or tough times um, can redirect you to triumph in some vital part of your life. I'm just thinking that. Do you think perhaps as women? Sometimes the the mud is perhaps just a little bit deeper for all sorts of different reasons. Oh, I think that, you know, we there are so many um, added challenges for women, and women in South Africa that um, have to not only, you know, fight for their rightful place, but um, they've suffered under patriarchy and poverty and um, the violence and abuse against women seem to escalate every single day. And, you know, I'm often told by people that um, there's never been a better time for women than right now. Um, But when I speak to women, you know, it seems like they have never been more guilt-ridden, more afraid, more fearful of um, all the challenges that seem to heap up. Um, You know, they they feel um, burdened to a certain extent by all of all of the things that they meant to be and really you know what what you what you should be and what is most achievable is to be more of who you were always meant to be and if that means that you are a stay-at-home mother then make that the best that you can be and if if you if your destiny is that you um should be a businesswoman and that's the choice that you make then you should be able to do that and um, do it freely and, and unencumbered. And I think that there's so much um, discussion just around that, around the guilt that women feel about failing and, uh, you know, on the converse of that, about succeeding as well. You know, there's almost, it's almost a dirty word to, to succeed um, as a woman. Um, and there was a very powerful cover of Time magazine uh, a few months ago uh, with Sheryl Sandberg on, on the cover, and it said, don't hate me because I'm successful. And um, that really speaks volumes. Yeah, Sheryl Sandberg, author of Lean In. That's right. Yes. And, I mean, that, that book um, just, it raised so many um, very pertinent issues that I think, you know, it was being described as reopening the conversation around feminism because for a long time people weren't really talking about it in those terms. And here is Cheryl Sandberg telling women to lean in and, um, you know, to put themselves at the boardroom table, to invite themselves to sit at the table where decisions are made. But, again, I think in context, if that's the right decision for them, because that isn't everybody's journey. And I think that whatever your journey is, we should be able to be free to follow that without judgment. Samantha, there would be some who would say that your very role is the pinnacle of success, to be editor of O Magazine is sort of like, you know, well, it doesn't get better than that. And yet you're a real-life human being. What, as a woman, difficulties are you suffering? I mean, do you suffer with the guilt that should I or shouldn't I be successful? How is this going to impact on everybody else in my life? What are your issues? Well, (laughs) it's a big question then because... (laughs) You know, along with that absolutely is my choice and it is my journey. And so I feel like I shouldn't sit at work and feel guilty about the choices that I make. Um, you know, as a, as a mother to an eight-year-old boy, um, there's always a level of, you know, what we call working mother guilt when, you know, you feel like you should be at the swimming gala and you're not. 
But um, I think that, you know, it's all about being happy with the choices that you make, not, um, uh, you know, being resentful of others who have the have the freedom to maybe do the things that they want to do with their children. Um, for now, this is my choice, and, um, so, you know, I'm happy to do it. So you're dealing with the guilt, but do you, are there some, I mean, I just said that you've got, the, you know, the world's most enviable job, <laughs> certainly in a lot of women's eyes that would be, would be the case. So, so you sit there feeling, I'm, gosh, I'm lucky, gosh, how lucky am I, how wonderful it is that the little old me's got this job. Or do you think, no, oh, jolly right, I deserve it? Um, both. I think that I've worked very hard, and I work hard every single day, so I deserve the position. Um, and I think that I would never have anything if I didn't exercise gratitude every day for what I have. Mm. But it never escapes me that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful for the job, but I know that I deserve it because every second of the 11 years that I have worked at Oprah Magazine, I've worked as hard as everybody else on the team, and I haven't ever stopped um, setting a a level of excellence for myself. So I would take that to any job. Um, It's it's wonderful being able to do that um, at Oprah Magazine, but uh, a standard of excellence um, is something that I try and apply to everything that I do in every interaction with everybody. So it isn't, um, you know, only related to Oprah Magazine. Mm-hmm. So I could say that I am um, filled with gratitude every day for the work that I do. Um, but I also know that um, I have earned the position. I would absolutely say it's really nice to hear a woman say, I deserve it. And I love it that you say, um, I've achieved a level of excellence for myself. Lovely. Samantha Page, super. Look forward to seeing you at the uh, Women's Day Workshop. I look forward to hearing from you as well, Nancy, and um, it's going to be a great event. I think that um, some of the issues that are going to be discussed are exactly what women are discussing at their book clubs and, um, you know, at the water cooler in their offices. So I I think that it's something worthwhile leaning into. Absolutely. Samantha Page, she's the editor of O Magazine, and she's going to be one of the speakers at the mini women's workshop, uh, mini women's day workshop. In fact, it's happening on August the 7th at the Peninsula Hotel right here in Cape Town. So more information on that just now. Stay tuned. Do you want to learn how to pitch your business idea effectively? Do you want to take your existing business to the next level? Engine Pitch and Polish in association with SAFM is setting the stage for entrepreneurs. If you believe in your business idea and would like some guidance, then we want you to attend our inspiring workshop where you will receive expert training and tips. This free workshop is coming to a town near you. For more info, SMS P-I-T-C-H, your name and city, to 45982. Register online at pitchandpolish.com or phone 011-566-2000. SMS costs 150. T's and C's apply. SABC is inviting potential suppliers to submit proposals for the supply of character generators for TV outside broadcast. Tender documents are obtainable from the 3rd of July 2013 between 8 and 4 upon receipt of proof of payment of a non-refundable fee of a thousand rand made to SABC Limited at ABSA, account number 28400124, branch Auckland Park, ref number SGE forward slash CGOB forward slash 13 forward slash 06. Closing date is the 2nd of August 2013 at 12 noon. For inquiries relating to collection of documents, contact the tender office on 011-714-4764, SABC, Radio Park, Henley Road, Auckland Park, Johannesburg. For more information, go to our SABC website, www.sabc.co.za. 
Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. Talking Women here on Otherwise and talking about the special Women's Day mini workshop that's coming up here in Cape Town. Uh, for all of those of you who weren't able to get to the Quality Life Women's Leadership course in Johannesburg, this is the little mini breakfast version. And also speaking there is going to be Sarah Rice. Now, Sarah is a technology PR and communications specialist. And last year she wrote a blog about what shutting down a business actually taught her about starting up a new one. And that the core of her speech is actually going to be productive failure, uh, which is an interesting conundrum. We got her on the line to tell us all about it. Hi, Sarah. Hi, hi. Sounds like you might have got your fingers burned somewhere along the line. Oh, yeah, my whole body, I think. <laughs> <laughs> what happened and when? Um, I ran my PR agency for nine years, and it was amazing. And I wouldn't give up that experience at all. And when I shut it down, I looked back over the choices I had made that had got me to the point where I could no longer continue running the business. And the reason for shutting it down was actually that I fell out of love. And I stopped, um, I stopped to really bring myself to my work. And at that point, I thought, I've done too much with this business. If I continue, it's going to end up being that PR agency that used to do good work. And I never wanted that to happen. So I shut it down. And... Um, I just looked back over the choices I'd made and I was amazed at how um, I'd kept on falling into the same hole. And part mm. of the reason for that is that I'd never, I'd never taken failure as an option. And uh, that was actually what my blog post was really about, is that if you're going to run a business, you've got to consider failure. How long did it take you to fall out of love with it? Was it, um, was it over a period of time or did you wake up and think, oh, I'm over this? No, no, it took about three years. I made some decisions in the in 2007 that cost a lot of money. And at the time, I was like, oh, no problem. I'll just like, you know, the, the five years before had been pretty easy. So I thought, oh, I'll just make that money back. And then the downturn happened. And I never, I never financially managed to, to get into an easy place again. And so kind of three years of that really started to grind me down. And I, I was unable to... I was unable to just kind of find, find the, the uh, just get out of the kind of the rabbit hole of just mm-hmm. trying to, it was very, I, we were eking out a living as a business. Yeah. So we went from 14 staff, I went through retrenchments, I mean I did all the stuff that businesses do all the time. And um, looking back, yeah, I just never, I never allowed myself to consider the end, which meant when the end was coming, I didn't make decisions to protect myself all the business because I kept on thinking it's going to be fine. You know, um, people say failure is not an option. And the thing is that's, that's ridiculous because failure is always an option. And um, if, you can, if you can start to consider it and bring it in, then you are actually in a better position to protect yourself and make sure it doesn't happen. But I just kept on planning for better days, you know, making big mm-hmm. decisions based on it's going to be better tomorrow. And the truth was it wasn't better tomorrow. But did, uh, you, did you think, to having learned all of this, and I'm sure you weren't quite so sage when it was happening, I imagine oh, you were no, probably tearing no, no. your hair out, but <laughs> did you sit down and think, did, did you think to yourself, what have I learned, and having a sort of true Oprah moment, you know, what have I learned from this, or did, it, did the wisdom come later? Um, I, I worked with the most amazing woman. You know, I actually, the decision to shut it down happened in a, in a woman's group very similar to the circles that Cheryl Sandberg talks about. Mm. And I'd come to this group of women that was facilitated by the Bandwidth Barn, this amazing woman called uh, Mignon Kaiser, Lotz. 
And um, I asked the question, how do you get value? How do, how do, I, how do I get value out of, um, in the services industry and how do I make sure that I'm being paid what, what my value is? And one of, we went round and round in, in my circle, as you do at these things, and eventually one of the, the women looked at me and said, Sarah, it sounds like um, you're never going to get enough value because just getting yourself into the room takes everything you've got. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, that's, that's true. And then, then the discussion moved towards, is it time to go? And I woke up the next day and I felt like all the blood had just drained from my stomach. And I thought about it and I was like, I was like having an out-of-body experience. Actually, I've been running the business for almost nine years. And I woke up the next day and I felt like I had helium balloons on my shoulders. Because suddenly, a whole landscape of choice opened up to me. So instead of like going down this one rabbit hole, I suddenly could look around and see what other options there were. It was the most extraordinary experience. And then I worked with Mignon for four months. We took it very elegantly, actually. It was a very, it, it was, the business was elegantly shut down. I was a bit of a basket case, but the business, we took four months over it and like migrated all my clients out, made sure all my staff were able to move on to their, their new positions, honored all the debt, just so it was, it was quite a beautiful process, and I think because I was working with her, uh, the lessons came quite, quite quickly and quite easily. It did take me another eight months to write the blog post, though, because <laughs> I, I wasn't able to talk about them with much grace, yeah. although yeah. the lessons had been learned. Wow. I think we yeah. need to get Mignon onto the program. She oh, she like, is so yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you what, would what, love what her. What does she do? She's what phenomenal. Is her, what is she? She, um, she runs... She's a facilitator and she works a lot. She works with men and women, but mm. she definitely works a lot with women. It's a core interest of hers. And she's just around um, facilitating processes. So we, the, the group that I shut down Sentient with, we still meet once a month. And I'm actually starting my new business next month, oh. which is amazing. What, like in 10 days' time? Yeah. Having Phoenix. taken all these lessons and still being with that group. Yes. So, Gosh, yeah. talk about living to tell the tale. How yes. absolutely yeah. wonderful. Well, I'm going to suggest that if anybody wants to hear the next stage of the tale that oh, in fact you're opening next month before or after the women's workshop um i would have been open for a week so i'll be able to tell you how my first week has been Gosh, <laughs> how fresh will that be samantha in amongst sorry samantha sarah in amongst all of this and i, I really am going to leave you know your business on 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 sort of the back burner so if anybody would like to go along to the to the uh, special women's day mini workshop it's a breakfast workshop so it's early in the morning so it's going to be all over by about sort of 10 ish um, it's happening at the Peninsula All Suite Hotel here in Cape Town. It's August the 7th, and if you want to know more, www.qualitylife.co.za or give Lizzie a call and book yourself a place. It's 011-880-9749. We'll put that up on our website. 011, uh, sorry, uh, we wish, on uh, the Otherwise Facebook page, which is uh, Otherwise on SAFM. But just lastly, Sarah, um, you as a person, I mean, obviously you went through hoops and, and burning mm. things to get to this. Have you come out a lot stronger? Um, I've come out a lot more flexible, mm. I think. Um, stronger, I don't, I, I've definitely come out of it very humbled, you know, and very, um, I mean, I must say I've got a lot more um, empathy with with people who are struggling with their businesses, and I've got a lot more... A lot, yeah. I, I, I think I'm just more flexible about it. Like I, I don't have, 
with particularly as I'm starting this new business, I'm not committed to an outcome. I'm committed to like a vision of how I want to be in my business and, and the kinds of work I want to do, but I'm no longer fully committed to what success looks like. Yeah. And that kind of that has really freed me up to to make choices I may not have been able to make before. Gosh, so I think that's the critical that's thing. Really and I don't always get it right. I also revert to yeah, path and have my own internal tantrums. <laughs> but I like, I'm definitely that's that way of that way of making decisions is more available to me than it was before I shut down my business. Well, it certainly sounds like you've got a lot to share. Well, if you would like to witness the newly flexible and newly humble Sarah Rice, <laughs> she's going to be at the Women's Day mini workshop, The Quality Life. Uh, check them on the website, qualitylife.co.za, otherwise 011-880-9749. Sarah, look forward to chatting to you on August oh, the 7th. Me too. I look Thanks forward so to much. meeting you. Take care. Thanks. Well, coming up next here on uh, Otherwise, we're going to be talking about the Domestic Worker of the Year and hearing about a, a women-only production for the 16 Days of Activism, but it's just after 1.30. Time for the news headlines with Lulu. But right now here on uh, Otherwise, or here on SAFM, Otherwise, um, we're talking women. And in a minute, we're going to be talking about the Domestic Worker of the Year. What a good idea. It's been initiated by Cecilia Macola of My Claim Mate. And if you would like to nominate somebody who you think deserves that title, well, you have until midnight tonight. We'll be getting the info on that just now. But first, before that, Lali Dangazeli is the founder of Nobolali Productions. And Nobolali is an organization whereby they use drama to find learning solutions. And part of it is the Shake experience. Well, we have Lali on the line. Hi, Lali. Hello, how are you? Excellent, nice to have you with us. Thank you. Thank um, you. Lali, the, let's start with, before we get onto the Sheikh experience, Nobulali Productions is what? Am I right there? Is it you're using drama as a way of initiating learning or finding ways of learning? Yes, what we do is we use dramatic art as a pedagogical tool in corporates, in schools, and in communities. And it's an art-based company using the arts to ensure that whatever it is that we need to communicate on behalf of the client or ourselves, we can do using dramatic arts. Okay, including sort of social issues that, that pertain to the whole country as well as just one individual organization. No, it's issues pertaining to the country. So sometimes we do truth and reconciliation, democracy, um, and what that means, entrepreneurship, curriculum, um, as well as issues pertaining to women. But also sometimes it's just um, becoming a platform for a marketing company. We've got access of over 200 schools all over the country that we work with. So sometimes the younger brands want to align themselves with the work that we do to basically speak to issues of nutrition, for example, or issues of um, study methods and study material. So what we offer then is a platform for those organizations to partner with us using dramatic arts to basically carry forward that message. But also it's not just a South African message, it's a global message as well. We speak about the Millennium Development Goals, we speak about what UNESCO is doing, UNICEF as well, so that the learners or the participants or the community can realize that it's not just um, working in their one community where they based, but how they relate to the greater global world. Um, so, for example, with the National Development Agency, we do capacity building and we do their midterm report and quotas report. And there we're working with community-based cooperatives, teaching them on how to be sustainable entities, things of issues of governance, issues of um, the importance of record-keeping and being accountable, but using dramatic arts, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's a fun approach to basically aligning people to what it is that they need to do to excel in their yeah. respective areas. 
So spreading messages of many different types means that you've got to get your head around all sorts of messages so you know where to go with them. But also teaching, uh, quite literally on, along the way, the art of drama. Uh, is that a, yes. like, a, like a sort of a byproduct? Yes, what we've seen is that um, dramatic art is a Trojan horse of sorts and the method of experience is, is, is a great example of this. And I mean, not to say that... I personally am an expert in everything, you know, that I speak about, but we work a lot with um, institutions of higher learning as well as experts in those particular areas. So if we've got a project, for example, we're trying to do something with um, a medical school teaching anatomy using dramatic arts, go figure. Um, there we would be working with um, lecturers that lecture in anatomy, and what we do is we cross-pollinate their material with the work that we do. And I must say, it's really fun. I mean, no two Mondays are the same. Mm. Today I'm at a rehearsal watching um, Nothing But The Truth. Tomorrow I'll be working with the um, students from a medical school, and on Wednesday it's something completely different. So it's quite an exciting space and very, very dynamic as well. And one is also trying their best to expose themselves to international practice, so we attend international conferences, speak at them, as well as listen to other um, people participating in areas within dramatic arts, and there's quite a lot of advancement that's happened and a lot to learn, and we just want to share that with our fellow countrymen and women and see how we can push forward the various things that our clients or partners would like for us to assist with seems like you've got yourself your dream job, but it seems like you've been, yeah. you've been one of the architects of its creation. So, you know, you, you have yourself to thank for getting to be where you are. But it, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting collection of things. But, you know, I'm just thinking about the, the Shakespeareans. It's got, you know, what you do is you, you excite, you explore, you exchange and examine ways of doing all these things. I don't know if you were probably not listening to us earlier, but we were talking about, well, at least I was mentioning... Um, I was mentioning the two films that have been banned at the Durban Film Festival. I'm sure you've heard about those. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. But also, there's a play called Nibaya, Nibaya um, which is, it tells the story of the rape and murder of the 23-year-old Indian girl. I don't know if you remember. It was, it was really ghastly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it seems that the play tells the, not only her story, but the story of a lot of other women uh, who are, have actually literally been victims themselves. I mean, they, the victims or the survivors are there on that stage telling their stories. So there's sometimes a sort of a fine line between drama and reality. Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, um, mm-hmm. I can't remember who it is, but um, there's someone that says that you can judge a, a, a country's civilization by the art it produces. Um, and what that basically speaks to is the more critical and engaging our art is, the more civilized we are as a people. So the fact that we've got films that are engaging us on such a level, it says that not only is the art developing, but we as a people are also developing because, um, you know, a lot of things happen and you look on Twitter, you look on Facebook, and there's almost an element of people silencing themselves up to a certain extent because you need to be politically correct, you know, to... To, to be able to thrive at times in South Africa. And I think the work that is being done by these artists is quite risque, but also very necessary for our time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I understand why it is that they would ban the film, um, basically 
putting it under child pornography. But I believe that, you know what, let us as society be the judges as well because at times, you know, it's one thing if we are creating this as a myth or a possibility, but I know the team researched these factual events, you know, and it's based on true stories. So if this is actually what's happening, why not put it out there so that we as a community can engage each other on this and actually start making the difference that is necessary because... We visit schools all the time, and it breaks my heart. Whether I am in um, KZN or Limpopo or Bumalanga, I meet at least five pregnant girls in the various schools that I visit. And I'm 28 years old. I don't have a child because I feel I'm much into raising. And when I see an 18, 16, 17-year-old pregnant, I stop and I think the ceiling just dropped by, by, you know, a whole long inch, you know, because... Before they can think about these studies, they need to think about the studies of the child. Before they think about the nutrition, they think about the nutrition of the child. And I believe that this form is putting it out there for us so that parents don't think that it's less um, serious than what it is. And, you know, government and society don't think it's less um, big than what it really is. So... Yeah, well, um, basically, it's a satire. You know, as much as 15 days of activism is a very important and integral part of our calendar as women, I think that it's also important that we have a little humor um, to critique and comment and celebrate, you know, some of the things that we are finding happening as women. So currently, it's three characters. Um, one is called um, Comrade Sweetheart, who basically speaks about being a comrade in today's day and age whilst being Absolutely fabulous. Another one is performed by a friend of mine, Daniela Cassetti. She's a musician by profession, but she also does amazing, amazing stage work with masks and mime and the likes. And we are in conversation with Megan Gottsall, who's already got a one-hander that is being performed at the Six Actually um, Festival hosted by Drama for Life at Virginia University. So what we've done, it's a collective of us, you know. I'm a producer and an academic, but by, by nature, I'm an actress by profession. That's what I studied. And we were just sitting and talking, and, you know, I said, you know what, guys, I crave being on stage, and there's so many things happening, but I can't treat them all, you know. So we thought, why not write it down on paper? And the Joburg Theatre has availed a space to us called thespace.com, which is a space available to young theatre makers who want to test and try something new and put it out there, you know. So last year they had Timber Interactive. Um, which had a forum theater performance over 16 days where the audience could um, basically tell what the story needs to develop into. And what we're doing is we're collecting stories from women. So I was Mm. in France about a week ago, and I got a lovely monologue written by a teacher on how scary it is to teach Shakespeare um, to her class and how she actually is seen as this manic individual, you know. And for me, looking at our female politicians, they've got such charisma such boldness and such strength as well. And you look at some of these stories prior to the MEC status 
or the minister of, or the premier and stuff like that, and you realize that there's actually a young lady deep down in there, and we want to follow the journey of that young lady to now this minister or to now this MEC. So it's really going to be a fun night out for the ladies, um, and us laughing about some of the serious challenges that come with climbing up the corporate ladder, um, and some of the decisions we need to make along the way, because as much as I say I'm 28 without a child, there's a lot of people frowning against it and saying, oh, your biological clock is ticking, you know, but those are some of the decisions as women that we need to make that our male counterparts don't have to make, um, and it does eventually influence how we pan out in um, in our professional development. It sure does. Lali, in the time that remains the last minute, um, shakespeareance.co.za, would that be the right place to to find out more details, and what is the production called? The production's called? Yes, um, that's where you can find out. And currently we've got nothing but the truth touring mm-hmm. in Limpopo and then it's going to Kesarin and then Bumalang. And for bookings, people can also just okay. go to our website. And the, produ- and the production that's going to be at thespace.com is called? It's currently called Work in Progress. Oh, okay. okay. Unintended. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Lovely. Gosh, Lali. Super. Thanks very much. Really nice to have a chat. Thank we'll speak, you very hopefully much. Speak again. Thank okay. you. Take care. Bye. Lali Dangazeli, she's founder of Nobulali Productions. It's some very interesting thoughts on a number of things there. If you'd like to find out a little bit more about work in progress, it's www.shakeexperience.co.za and we'll put that up on our Facebook page too. Stay with us. If you're worried about your financial future, thinking about life insurance, saving for retirement, not sure about investing for you and your family, what about your children's education? To answer all your questions, join me, Brian Hirsch, Tuesday morning, 10 o'clock. Otherwise, on SAFM. Well, finally, on other di- um, otherwise, uh, a group of women, usually largely women, who very often get overlooked. It's the domestic worker, and where would we all be without them? Well, Cecilia Macola certainly believes that. She's the founder and owner of My Claim Mate, and as such, she deals a great deal with domestic workers directly. In fact, she's made it her business to promote their role and acknowledge their work as a profession. And she started something called the, the National Domestic Workers' Day, but she's also got something called the Domestic Worker of the Year Award. And we got her on the line to tell us all about it. Hi, Cecilia. Hi, Nancy. How are you? Thank you. Oh, no, thank, well, thank you. I mean, thank you for what you're doing for the domestic worker who seldom, uh, you know, unless there's a problem, seldom gets any sort of exposure. So am I right? Didn't you start something called, the, the, you know, the National Domestic Workers' Day? Yes, um, actually last year we spoke about it um, Mm. and the whole purpose of the National Domestic Workers Day was a day for us as South Africans to put aside and to recognize the work of the domestic workers whom we entrust with our most prized possessions, our children and our homes to say, you know, we need to value the contribution that they make because essentially they actually enable South Africans to contribute to the economy. People can able are able to go to work and contribute in that way and others are able to start their own businesses and create employment and therefore add value to the economy. So yeah. they're somehow the backbone of South Africa's economy that we have actually forgotten. Yeah, yeah, a critical part, absolutely. Mm. So the idea of uh, National Domestic Workers' Day is one thing, but the idea of the Domestic Worker of the Year, and I think that that, that, uh, nominations are still open until midnight tonight. 
Yes, um, the nominations are still open um, until um, this uh, at 12 o'clock tonight, and we're asking employers to nominate their domestic worker. And uh, people must remember that a, a domestic worker is not just a lady that comes in and does the cleaning uh, once or twice a day. Um, it's the it's the person that comes in either also lives in, um, but it's also people that look after children. So your au pair is also defined as a domestic worker. Um, the nannies are defined as domestic workers. Uh, the gardeners are also defined as domestic workers. So if you have those people that are really that you really really value and you can actually see the contribution that they make um, in your family's life, we love uh, employers to actually just nominate their employees. And you can nominate as many employees as you have mm. for the Domestic Worker of the Year Award. And the nominations are on www.domesticworkersday.co.za. And there's just a very short uh, nomination form. Okay, so it's anybody that you employ who works in and around your house for you. Yes. Okay. Yes. And it can be a man or a woman. I mean, it's definitely not exclusively a woman thing. Yes, no, it's uh, men or women um, because you actually find you're finding uh, more and more men that are actually domestic workers as in come in and clean and organize the home and look after children too nowadays. It doesn't, um, you know, I'm just thinking, is there just one winner of this, this uh, esteemed title, Domestic Worker of the Year? Because there are millions of people, I don't know how many millions, in fact, something we should Google and find out, perhaps you know. How many people in this country qualify as domestic workers? Do you know? Um, well, statistically, I mean, the, the Department of Labor will tell you one set of statistics and uh, the union will tell you another statistics. But according to the Department of Labor, there's almost a million people that are domestic workers in, in South Africa. Yeah, okay. And, and those are just those that are registered. There's a whole lot more um, that aren't uh, registered. Yeah. So what qualifications are you looking for? I mean, you say that there's a nomination form. Is it, is it very long? Do you have to fill in a whole lot of details? And what are you really looking for? Who's going to be the judge? Um, Nancy, we're actually just looking for um, the, the skill, the dedication, the commitment, the responsibility, the way that the domestic worker interacts with the family and the children and the employer themselves and that relationship. So um, this year, as a start of the awards, we've made it actually a little bit uh, too simple. Um, some people uh, may say it's, it's too simple, but as the competition goes on, we re-evaluating the whole um, uh, nomination process and what criteria, because if we use education, then we leave out a whole big sector of people out. So um, going forward, we're also looking at different categories, perhaps, mm. Uh, of, of the awards, but for now it's just the nomination um, that we will take into consideration and it's a very brief um, nomination form, the details of the employer, the details of the uh, domestic worker and just the nomination, it's just that simple And it's countrywide because you yourself are based in Cape Town, but it's uh, people can nominate domestic workers all over the country and what is this lucky person going to win otherwise, other than that title? Other Is there than a this title, we we actually very very uh, proud to have a, a number of sponsors on board. 
um, like um, made the Sheraton Hotel, who have sponsored a, a stay at their hotel for the for the winner and a partner, and um, also um, Eskom uh, will be um, giving uh, the winner um, energy efficient appliances, and we've got. Um, made for you that's donating um, a training voucher, a five-day training, domestic services training voucher worth 5,000 rand. And we also have domestic care that will be donating a 12-month medical aid membership, and that's a comprehensive membership. So it includes the um, optometry and the dentistry in it. Wow, well, Um, we're going to have to leave it at that, sadly, but it's it's a great idea, and may it go from strength to strength every year each and every year. Well, approximately a million people uh, stand to win that title. And thank you very much, Cecilia, for thinking of this. I think it's really great. Thank you. Thank you. Take thank care. you, Nancy. Cecilia well, if you would like to nominate a domestic worker that you know, um, do it. Check the site, www.domesticworkersday.co.za. We will put that up on our Facebook page, too. You've been listening to Otherwise. Next up, it's time for Nali Bali, the children's programme.